While economies the world over were still recovering from COVID effect and the Russia-Ukraine conflict, we are amid a new crisis with the Israel-Hamas conflict. Today, with markets interlinked with each other, ripple effect of conflicts in any part of the world is felt everywhere. This is also true for the energy space, where the entire value chain can be impacted. In this week's Energonomics podcast, I take a look at the direct and indirect impact of this conflict on the energy sector, particularly oil and gas producers as well as consumers. I caught up with Vandana Hari, the founder, CEO of Vand Insights, on the situation and the road ahead. Welcome to Energonomics podcast, Vandana. One question which constantly comes to our mind whenever these conflict happens is what's happening to oil prices, especially consumers like India. It's a constant debate, discussion. Mm. So I uh, wanted to get a perspective from you with the current situation where you see the energy prices going. Hi, Richa. So uh, we've seen in the past week, oil prices turn quite volatile. We've seen a risk premium creep into prices as well, because although the Israel-Hamas conflict has not impacted any oil or gas supplier from the Middle East, it's happening on the doorstep of major oil and gas producers in the Middle East. So in situations like this, and especially when um, the conflict seems to be spiraling out of control, in situations like these, the market has to factor in uh, a deterioration of the situation and even the worst case scenarios. Now, in this case, the worst case scenario looks pretty bad. You know, that region produces nearly 23 million barrels per day of oil, 23% of of global uh, demand. Essentially, you know, major producers like Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, Kuwait, Oman, all of those in in that region. So, look, as of now, um, of course, the hope as well as the expectation is that sanity will prevail. uh, Countries will remain restrained. uh, These major oil and gas producers will not get drawn into the conflict and supply will not be affected. But the market doesn't uh, always uh, behave uh, based on, you know, whatever is the hope. Uh, it has always to needs to factor in the fear as well. So so what about countries like India? I see at least two major problems, Richard. One is, of course, when prices rise as a result of a fear premium, even though no supply is, is affected, the premium is what consumers end up paying. The fear is what consumers end up paying for. So, so that is going to happen. We see prices uh, have been elevated since last uh, week. And if this festers the conflict, as it seems to be poised to do, uh, you know, prices could remain high for the foreseeable future, even though no production is impacted, right? So India is going to pay much more for, for the oil. The other is just the uncertainty, because as a consumer country, whether it's the government or whether it's the oil company or even the households that are trying to budget for how much expenditure they ought to lay out for their energy, it's just become impossible. You know, we had COVID, then we had the Ukraine war, and now we have this. So we've just been hurtling from one crisis to another, which makes uncertainty the only certainty. And that's a very difficult environment to operate in, whether you are the, you are a policymaker, a corporate, uh, or an individual. 
and this takes me to the next question and you know twitter also on social media various news coming so whatever happened to the price cap now does it still exist the crude price cap on russian trade is it still in existence that's a very interesting question and especially the way you framed it does it still exist so yes <laughs> on paper very much so and until and unless the G7 US and EU say that we are officially lifting the cap it will very much remain in place and again i don't see them lifting the cap as long as the ukraine war uh, and invasion is is continuing so yes it does but in practice what has happened is that it has become quite ineffective so if the us contends that the aim of the cap was to uh, crimp russian oil revenues to make it more difficult or if not difficult to make russia pay more for transporting the oil which in turn uh, means lesser revenue from the for the kremlin so in that sense it has probably uh, may had an impact because had the price cap not in, been in place uh, russia would have continued to sell its crude at the levels it used to fetch in the market so russia is definitely getting less revenue so it has worked in that sense but as far as the consumers are, are concerned the main crude consumers of russia now are of course china and india um it has created some problems especially i do understand for indian refiners having to jump through more hoops uh some banks are being extra cautious uh even though again let's be clear that the price cap only applies if the crude is being shipped using a western shipping company or that shipping is using western services or the trade has used western services such as uh, insurance or trade finance and so on as far as i understand the vast majority of crude that is flowing into china and india is not using western services so actually this crude does not need to uh, follow the price cap but uh we have seen some banks in in india just uh, on an, as an extra precautionary measure try to stay away from trades that were done well above the price cap all said and done it it has not impacted the crude flows india continues to be able to buy as much russian crude as it wants to and the same goes for china that's very interesting and very well put vandana diplomatically correct answer you okay <laughs> <laughs> but my next question then is you know we constantly writing also you have written it for years and now you're discussing and debating it is what should india do energy security everyone talks about we are constantly india seems to be you know uh, shifting in goal posts many a time as to how it wants to go about it what should india do so i would say three things first of all best for india not to take Uh, sides in geopolitical conflicts this is something that we have seen the country do very well you might recall the in the early months of the invasion russian invasion of ukraine india did come under a lot of pressure from the western governments to denounce the invasion and also to to perhaps join in the efforts to uh, to reduce russian revenues by turning away its its crude or or not buying uh, 
recruit from from that country. And I think um, the government did very well in standing its ground in remaining neutral and in saying that our first responsibility is towards the 1.4 billion people of, of India. We'll do what is in the interests of the country and of the people of India. So I think that the government has done well. Uh, so India has benefited over the past several months. Uh, at times, Russian crude was going as at a discount of as much as $40 per barrel to Brent. So India has uh, benefited from all of these savings and it will continue to do so. Luckily, now the pressure has also um, gone away. You know, nobody's trying to tell India what to do and what not to do in terms of buying uh, Russian oil. Uh, second is uh, is diplomacy. And I know unlike the U.S. or European nations through the International Energy Agency, which uh, carry out their sort of signaling and messages to OPEC and OPEC plus leaders very publicly through the media and so on. Um, India follows um, what I would call quiet diplomacy. And uh, we know, for instance, that uh, the energy minister, Mr. Puri, when he was at uh, the ADIPEC conference a couple of weeks ago uh, in Abu Dhabi, he did convey uh, to the his counterpart in OPEC and publicly as well as privately that um, India's pain point is closer to $80 per barrel. You know, India would like to see crude uh, around those levels or lower. And he was speaking at a time crude had, you know, just crossed, uh, had been close to $97 a barrel. So, you know, I think those efforts are uh, key. Uh, I think India has a very strong voice on the international stage now. I think its G20 leadership this year has added to that uh, heft that that the country has. Um, the rest of the world is listening to India. So, you know, it needs to exploit that uh, to the hilt. And the third, I would say, Richard, is again something that the country is in already doing, which is to diversify. So diversify in terms of sources, which India has done fantastically in terms of the number of countries from which it buys crudes, how it has expanded that basket. Um, but at the end of the day, that is a factor of how many countries are producing. And there aren't that many new crude producers that that uh, come onto the world stage, right? But India has done pretty well in in that regard. Uh, I think also continue to diversify energy resources. I would add to that um, also is uh, to perhaps look more into uh, R&D investment in technology to increase energy efficiency, uh, to increase um, energy saving uh, wherever possible, you know, public boost public transportation uh, rather than uh, focus more on on private transportation. I think all of these are good measures as well on a long-term basis. Of course, they're not going to help you deal with your high costs today, uh, but this is more so looking a little out into the future. So, you know, uh, would I be wrong in summing it up that it's time now for us all to carve our own own space and own uh, positioning to play, uh, take care of our energy security, right? It's no longer what the other is dictating it to us. Absolutely. I think, uh, and India has done very well in that and in, in taking charge, taking full responsibility. Um, Richard, we're also in, in an environment and I would say almost an era now, uh, which is, uh, you know, every country 
has to look after its own interests, safeguard its its own interests. Uh, I, you know, you may say that is unfortunate, but we are moving away a little bit from the sort of globalization to more nationalization, to more national interest, and to to safeguarding self self interests. And uh, you know, to that extent, I think India is doing quite well. Thank you, Vandana. Thank you, Richa. That's all for this week's Energonomics podcast. This is Richa Mishra signing off. 